0: The Conference Finals are in full swing as the Eastern Conference Finals are knotted up at 2 and it is now a best of 3 between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Over on the Western Conference Finals, not exactly as entertaining as the Golden State Warriors are 1 win away from advancing to the NBA Finals as they're up 3-0 on Luka and the Mavs. Game 4 goes tonight. Will the Warriors advance? or with Mavericks Force Game 5, we will talk about it all. Both series, what has happened so far, all the analysis from the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. And B and I are joined by Siavash from the Lob It Up podcast to help us break it down. And we will also talk a little bit about the NBA Draft Lottery and much more. So keep a lock. We've got a lot more basketball content coming your way. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. what's going on friends and welcome back to another episode of baller island we are now reached the halfway point of the conference finals and we will look at the first few games of both the eastern conference finals and the western conference finals and b and i are joined by a guest to help us break down these games that have happened so far so b how have you been last few games have been kind of crazy but your celtics are tied up with the heated too and the warriors are one win away from going back to the NBA Finals.
1: Yeah, I'm a little shocked at what's going on right now. I'm not gonna lie. It's been interesting, but can we, for God's sakes, get a good game here?
0: Oh God, yeah, no, we're gonna get to that. There's been blowouts left, right, and center, but with that, let's welcome in our guest for today, Sia Vash from the Love It Up Podcast. This is well overdue. Glad we finally got you on here, Sia Vash. How's it going? How have you enjoyed the NBA playoffs thus far?
2: good man as you guys mentioned it it's just uh interesting playoffs out in the east and we're gonna get to the west at some point but
0: how you guys doing Thanks you for having me no question bro we are good and we're gonna get into these games and also if you want to take a quick minute as well to um promote the love it up podcast as well and just tell us a bit about what it is and what you guys do
2: Oh, I appreciate that, man. Uh, the Love It Up podcast, we're a bunch of guys talking about basketball. It's me, myself and Chris pinette and my guy Tobias Barkley. Check them out on their socials. But we talk about hoops. We try to put a few, you know, fun spins into it. So give us a check out. Of course, we're not as consistent as
0: B and J here. You know, they're definitely beating us in that sense. But yeah. we try to do our thing over there. Uh, no question. So go definitely go and check Lob It Up podcast and give them a follow as well. But let's let's dive right into this. Let's start out in the East where the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat are tied up at two. It's it's been a weird series. It's been made, three out of the four games have not been close whatsoever. Game three was pretty good, and considering that's the one game where Jimmy Butler sat out the second half, but Bam led the way with thirty-one points in that one. But it's just been. It, it, it's weird. It's the Eastern Conference Finals with a shot to represent the Eastern NBA Finals. And yet each and every game is so different. It's either Miami is dominating or Boston is dominating. It's been a really, really strange series. Um, B, I'll start with you. How are you feeling with your Celtics so far? Obviously, the series is tied, but there's been a lot of different highs and lows in this series so far.
1: I don't know if it's just me. A healthy Celtic squad is like way better. Is the way better team here? Like, I feel like the reason my games here Boston was out two starters and banged up. Everybody's just kind of Boston is just so different. Kind of remember our last week, I was like, Yo, Boston is going to kill these dudes. I don't know how Miami's going to score game was gonna be kind of this whole series was but um both teams man are just banged up i think every other day here too much for these dudes and it's like yo we're not getting good quality basketball like yesterday's was like a freaking rugby match this whole series has been just straight up rugby like dudes are flat on their jump shots it's not been good quality basketball i think there's every every instance other... is a
0: that's a good point. Yeah, with the conference finals, it literally has been every other day. But you're you're not wrong about that. There's been an injury pretty much every game, whether it's Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, the li- Al Horford missed one game. Like the list goes on of guys that Kyle Lowry missed a thing, a game or two. The list is varied from players that have missed time and missed games in this series, and yet yeah, it's kind of going to show that. None of these games have been close. Siavash, what are some of your takeaways from this series so far?
2: As you guys explained, it's just one of those series where we don't see a team be as competitive as the other. It's just constantly a coin toss every game. You don't know what you're going to get. Last game, I mean, we thought Marcus Mulder was going to be out and we're not going to get a good game. But the Celtics came out and just put the heat. Behind them just in the first quarter. I mean, I saw Derek White come out, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a crazy game. And, of course, he didn't put more than 11 points in the first quarter. And after that, it was just a
0: catch-up game where they couldn't win. Yeah, that is fat. Yesterday was just an abysmal shooting day for the Miami Heat. Like It was absolutely awful. I believe it was the longest-scoring drought in a playoff game in 25 years. The Miami Heat did not score a field goal until three minutes remaining in the first quarter. They they just couldn't hit a bucket at all. No matter how hard they tried from three, even inside the paint, they couldn't get a layup to fall. Nothing was going for Miami in yesterday's game. But yeah, that's what I don't understand. This has now turned into a best of three. And I feel like the whoever ends up coming out of this series, it's like whoever ends up staying the healthiest and whoever just shows up. Whichever team just shows up and makes their shots, that's the team that's going to end up winning this series because – that's how it's been. It's been so lopsided each and every night. You don't know what you're going to get. But now it's down to a best of three. I got a weird feeling this might get extended to seven, but I could be wrong. But, I'm, BU, I'm kind of with you, though. If Boston's fully healthy, I do think they're the better team, no question. And when Marcus Smart's in there, the Celtics are so different. And we've talked about this over the past several weeks, too. They're such a different team when Marcus Smart's in the lineup opposed to when he's not. But we'll see what happens in Game 5 um, from there But I mean When you look at the series As a whole Any other takeaways be Yo You know what's
1: Remember earlier We were saying like When Boston has their Whole starting five They got some ridiculous record Like 30 and four Or something And it's like Smart Has been in and out Horford missed a game Robert Williams Has been in and out And you see when Robert Williams is out Friggin Bam goes for 30 Him being back in, it's like, yo, nobody even wants to look at the rim. These guys are so terrified of him just standing there. And then there's only two or three dudes that can shoot the three on Miami. So when you had in the first quarter, Oladipo was like your leading scorer, kind of carrying the squad in your back. That's not what it is. It's like if you have Bam and even Al Horford, who had five points yesterday, but he had such an impact defensively, it's like. He did. Miami, like for Boston to just close out on those guys on the three point line and make a dude like Max Struce put the ball on the floor. And Max Struce, who has had some pretty good games in this series, you make him put the ball on the floor and or put how many bunnies did PJ Tucker miss in the key like that? All these dudes, they don't Bam doesn't even look at the rim when Robert Williams is in and he just makes such a crazy impact. Then when you put throwing adding smart to the mix because you know Miami was hunting those Pritchard matchups. Then you had Smart, everybody can just switch everything. You have Robert Williams coasting in the paint, playing free safety. Like, it's, to me, it's like this is – I Boston's just making it harder on themselves in this series. They've had two bad quarters in this whole series. The first game was that third quarter, which was just awful. And then the the next game they lost was the first quarter. It's like the two worst quarters they've – like, those are the only two quarters they've lost all series, except the garbage time quarter yesterday. They've outplayed them, and the fact that it's 2-2 is kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, again, it's come down to who shows up. And it's crazy that yesterday, Miami starters were so bad, they literally combined for 18 points total the entire game. When they put up that stat sheet, I could not believe how bad the starters were shooting. And if you, I know I talked about it when we when we previewed this series, and I'm like, both teams are so deep. It's going to come down to someone coming off the bench that's going to make the difference. It's not even that. Your starters have to show up first, and then it's like someone's got to come up and be that X factor. But again, these games have been so lopsided. It's like, uh, it, again, whoever shows up and whoever doesn't, you're screwed. CFS, what do you think is going to happen in the next two, three games if this goes to a Game 7? Do you think Boston or Miami has the edge here? What are you looking for in these next few games?
2: think Boston has the edge for sure here when you look at what they're doing on defense they're constantly playing uh, drop coverage and with the guys that he'd have and the la you know they're really feeling the loss of Tyler hero in this situation That shooting with Gabe Minson going I think he went off seven last game I think Boston definitely has edge here and as you guys mentioned Robert Williams man he just anytime he's in the paint the Heat can't do anything. I saw Jimmy start settling from mid ranges, mm-hmm. looking like the Mar You know, I, that's when I knew they're really feeling the pressure from Robert Williams. And one thing I do want to mention is, you know, I'm a big Kyle Lowry guy over here, but I'm starting to think if the Heat are better off going with a guy like Gabe Winston at the starter position and then bringing Lowry off the bench as the guy to
0: kind of swing the series or swing a quarter or two. That's a really interesting take. I haven't heard many people go that route, but the the funny part is about that take though is that it's it it's is facts. adjustments. It's adjustments no. like that that help you win a playoff series, though. B, go ahead.
1: He, Larry. I've been saying that for this whole playoffs, man. Is that Gabe Vincent the way he's been playing and a, a squad with Miami that just doesn't get enough offense in general. Like Larry at this point is like. He's got so many miles on him. He's just like him. You throw him out, and we don't really know how healthy he is. You throw him out at, like, 70%. This dude's not as much as a factor as he needs to be. He's shooting, like, his shots are not even getting over the rim. Like, it's so, like, Boston's literally, like you said, he's, they're dropping even on that. They're going under the screens on Larry, making him shoot because he don't have the legs like that anymore. It's really, like, they got, I think, their best bet is just to run Gabe Vincent at the one.
0: I think, I mean, I think at some point there's no harm in making that adjustment if Spoelstra wants to put Vincent at the point instead. I just think Miami is, is is still very different when Kyle Lowry's in there and when he's not. He's able to run the offense in a different way. But I know, I, know, I understand what you guys are saying, though. And it's like, at this point, something's got to change. Because for Miami, if you want to change them, you're going back home. Why not go and change it up? It'll be really interesting to see if Eric Spolster goes that route or not. Um, heading into game five tomorrow night. But that's an interesting one. I haven't really heard many people think about that. But it it will be interesting to see that. Because again, both teams have so much depth. You can do that. You have the flexibility to do that. B, that's a good point too about Larry. Larry has not been healthy, let alone this playoffs, the whole season. He hasn't really been healthy. And, and
1: you know what's a little thing here is when Uh, Miami was looking to deal him. Remember, do you remember? I even said this like a year ago when I was like, because I was big, big on Drogic. And I'm like, is the paycheck that you're going to give Lowry compared to Drogic? Like, how much of an upgrade is that really? Where you're like, is is Lowry going to just automatically make you a championship contender? Like, is this team right now with Lowry at his healthiest better than that team Drogic was on two years ago? I mean, I don't really think it's like, it raises any ceilings that much more than it did. But that's Miami, man. They always go for these big fish. And, you know, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it
0: doesn't. I think off the court, it, uh, on the court, you make a valid point. But off the court. But even guy, off the
1: court, you know, Drogic and, and Jimmy were like the best friends. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, Larry and him are, are close, too. But
0: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's that factor, too. But I'm talking more about the leadership factor. Because Kyle Lowry is one of the best leaders in terms of being a veteran in this league. So you put him on this Miami team, that does help you get better in some way, shape, or form. They are the one seed. But I do understand what you're coming from from an on-the-court perspective. Because again, Kyle Lowry hasn't really been there all the time. He's hurt majority of the time. And when Dragic was there, Dragic was great. There really wasn't anything wrong with him until he got moved. And then I don't know what the hell happened to him. But I, I, that's an interesting factor. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see what Miami does if they want to make an adjustment there. That'll be an interesting take there. So game five goes tomorrow night in Miami, and then game six would go Friday night back in Boston. So be really interesting to see who comes out of this. And I guess by the time we get back on here next week, we will have our answer as to who's representing the East and who comes out of this best of three um, between Boston and Miami. But on the West, it's been a completely different story. The Golden State Warriors are out to a 3 nothing lead. And they're one win away from going back to the NBA Finals, which is just pretty amazing how they've been able to do this. But again, B, I know you said this when we previewed the series. You're like, Luka has no help. And it has become more evident than ever in this series right now because... He's doing everything they, he possibly can, and he's just not getting the help. And when you got the Warriors, you got, like, five guys who are pitching in. You got, like, Kavan Looney has a big game, too. You got Jordan Poole putting in 20 a night. You have all these different... And then you got Steph, Draymond, and Clay doing their thing. Warriors are just too much for Dallas right now. B, what are your thoughts through the first three games?
1: Yo, you know what? That's what's so crazy to me. Game two and game three... I felt like the Mavericks were getting other dudes in. Like, Brunson had 30. Bullock had 20. And then the next game, Dinwiddie had, like, 25. um, Brunson had another 20. And this is in addition to Luka dropping 40. Normally, I'm like, yo, if Luka gets one dude in the 20s, they're good. They're getting two dudes in the 20s the past two games, one dude in the 30s. Like, that should be enough. But I think the main takeaway from this series has been Wiggins, man. Like, not even – Lucas still getting his numbers, but like, I don't, I, it's like Wiggins is just playing his role so perfectly. And I've actually been mad impressed. I'm like probably the number one Wiggins hater in the world. But this dude, the way he's been playing, you got to give him props. Like the energy that he's been playing with is not Wiggins-esque, you know, he's doing it. And that, that's, I think it was a big reason why they won that game three on the road. And then um, other than that, you know, they're daring Draymond to shoot and Draymond's actually kind of. Look at the rim for one time in his life. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm very shocked that this is 3-0. I'm very shocked.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I am shocked that it's, that it's 3-0. I would have thought Dallas would have been able to take game three. I still think they're capable of taking one, maybe two. But at this point, it's like, I don't even know. I'm going to get to Andrew Wiggins in a second. But see if I'll get your take on this series first. And what are your thoughts? Are you shocked that Dallas is down 3-0 right now or not surprised?
2: I'd say I'm surprised. It's one of those series where right off the bat, you could have told me that Dallas could have taken it away and been up 3-0 or the Warriors would have been up 3-0. It's kind of a toss-up in this situation here as well, but I think my biggest takeaway from this series is the Mavs lack of defense down the paint. I mean, we're talking about Wiggins. I might take away some of your points here, but last game, he was 11 out of of 20 on the field, but 10 of those shots was down in the paint. Every time he got to the basket, he was able to get his, and that goes the same for the rest of the Warriors as well. I mean, Draymond, every time I saw him do a fake dribble handoff, he was just driving in and just putting up a floater, and that was nice. So out of all of that, I'm just, one of my biggest takeaways is the paint defense, and I'm wondering what they're going to do in the next game, if they're going to bring in, you know, the legend Boban onto the court and see what he can do, maybe take away some of those shots from the paint.
0: That's point. Yeah, I, actually, I really like that, of bringing in Boban as an adjustment there because you're, you're right. And again, it's not like it's been a secret. A lot of people have kind of pointed that out, that there's not a lot of true big men in this series. There's a lot of small dudes all over the court here, and that's why, yeah, Dallas hasn't been able to stop nobody. And it's it's been unfortunate. And in game two, it really showed when they, Golden State, stormed back from 26 down to end up winning that game. But going back to Andrew Wiggins, it's almost like, it, of course, the three of us from Ontario have known Andrew Wiggins forever now. And yet, we've always been waiting for Andrew Wiggins to take off, and he just never really took off. And we're like, okay, Andrew Wiggins was just a bust. All of a sudden, he goes to Golden State, plays with champions and Draymond Clay and Steph, And it's almost like this is finally the Andrew Wiggins that we've been waiting to see. You can correct me if I'm wrong or not, but I feel like this is like almost the point where you're like, okay, this was the dude that was supposed to pop off years ago. And now he's in a system where it's fitting him and he's balling out and he is one win away. Andrew Wiggins is one win away from being in an NBA final, as crazy as it sounds now to this point. But he's he's playing great. But not just him. When you have him contributing, dropping 20. Jordan Poole has been really the story of the playoffs for Golden State. And then you have the other three doing their thing. And Otto Porter's another guy. Obviously, he's not really healthy right now. But he's also contributing off the bench, too. Golden State has like seven or eight guys right now that are all contributing. And it's, it's too much. Because, B, you're right. Brunson had like 20 and 30 in the last two games. Bullock had 21 in Game 2. Dinwiddie went off in Game 3 as well. But other than those three guys, nobody else has been able to do anything. And Golden State's had maybe five, six guys putting in work in there. And I think that's ultimately why the Warriors are up 3-0 right now.
1: Uh, I want to go back to that paint point because last game, Dwight Powell playing eight minutes, right? And this is kind of what why I picked Phoenix over Dallas was because I just felt like DeAndre Ayton was going to be unstoppable in that series. And then in game seven, he ends up with five points for Dallas to play like Dwight Powell's getting eight minutes a game. And they're just trying to they're just trying to go out offense Golden State by playing, you know, Kleber at the five or Bertans at the five dudes that can shoot the rock. This isn't who Dallas has been all year. Dallas all year, or at least the second half of the year, has been like the second best defensive team in the league. And that's not by playing Bertans at the five in in, crucial stretches, right? Like, he's not going to – like, Wiggins looks at that or, you know, even like a guy like you were saying, Draymond. Draymond never looking at the rim. But you don't have anybody in the rim to, like, even – you just put a big body there. Draymond's not going to look at the rim. The fact that Wiggins is getting to the paint at will like that is, like, wow, I'm actually really surprised. I'm surprised that Dallas only played Nidikalina four minutes. Like, he had zero points last series, but it was, like, the most – Effective zero point game I've ever seen. The white, the defense. This dude was playing on Booker and Chris Paul and just hounding them. Why not give it a shot on one of those three guards on Golden State? I'm I'm a little interested on why they got away from that. Why they they're playing Bertans thirteen minutes a game when he's he's hasn't I I feel like Bertans hasn't
0: made a three in five years. That's yeah, no, that is definitely fair. I almost feel like Dallas. Dallas is trying exactly the way you just said, they're trying to go more offense and they're trying to outshoot Golden State. That's the stupidest thing you could possibly do to a team that is literally the best shooting team in basketball, that is two of the best shooters of literally all time. That's the dumbest thing. And exactly like you said, what Dallas did in game seven was a masterpiece. How they were able to shut down that Phoenix team in game seven was honestly one of the one of the best defensive performances I've seen in a while. I don't know why they got away with that. If they, if they we're to, were to actually play that defense right from the get go against Golden State, this would not be 3 0 right now. Um, see if Ash, any points off of that?
2: Yeah, I think in the last series, they were able to figure out the Suns by game three and four, and they were able to make an adjustment and kind of push that forward in game six and seven. But with the Warriors, they kind of figure out something in the second, in game two. And by that time, the Warriors were able to make an adjustment on the spot and put in Kevon Looney and take advantage of the inside from there. So from my perspective, I think this is very reminiscent of the 2020 conference finals with the Nuggets versus the Lakers, where the Nuggets had a good push through. They had a good series. You were looking at this team like, hey, this is great for the future if they figure out some things here and there, but you're not really thinking about them as a team that could really make it to the finals after the way they made it there.
0: That's a good point. That is definitely a good point to compare to that. The other series that I was kind of looking at is, well, really, the last time the Warriors were in the Western Conference Finals, they played the Trail Blazers, and that's the furthest that Dame has ever been in the playoffs, too. And the the Blazers, you kind of thought the same thing. You thought, damn, they got Dame, they got CJ. You know, this is great for them. You know, next year they're going to take the leap and get to the finals, but they just never did. The Warriors swept them. That was done. 4-0 in 2019. And this is kind of similar as to what's happening here. It's just, I think again I've, I've brought it up multiple times on this pod over the past few weeks. People just, for I feel like people just forget about Golden State. They forget how great this team was and the fact that they're doing it again. Like you mentioned, putting in Kavon Looney in the last two games has made a massive difference for this team. And they just keep doing what they're doing. It's, it is very interesting. And I don't know how this is going to end up. I feel like the Mavs again could take one, but this is the Warriors, man. It's a closeout game. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna come out firing on all cylinders in this one. But the the other thing too, and I was thinking about this yesterday too. If Golden State wins tonight and they sweep the Mavericks, they have just over a week off until Game One of the NBA Finals. I think that is huge. Again, maybe not because obviously there there could be a little bit of a rust factor going into Game One of the Finals. But to have that time off. Now, be going back to the Celtics series, where we're talking about how banged up that series has been. It's pretty big, and you've—I think all three of us have kind of seen how big injuries in general have kind of played a factor with all the all the teams in the playoffs so far. Injuries have been a fairly significant part. So, if the Warriors were able to close out tonight, they get a nice time off before Game One of the NBA Finals. So, I don't well, know. It should you be know what's even
1: crazier is how. And remember in, in the second series against Milwaukee, there was like three days in between the first three games or something like that? Yeah. They had like the most time off for the first three games. Then like games three to seven were every other day. And that was by far the most grueling series of the playoffs so far. Every other day. Then from game seven to game one, there was still every other day. So basically from game three to the rest of this series, they, the Celtics have been playing every other day and the two most physical series so far. So, like, if Golden State does play Boston, and let's say this Boston series goes seven, it'll be every other day for, like, basically three weeks, and Golden State's sitting off at a week of, uh, a week of rest when they don't really even need it. it should, Boston's the one that needs it like crazy. So that, I mean, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's, that's kind of done poorly on – I mean, obviously, if Golden State sweeps, they deserve rest time. But I'm saying the way that Boston – is playing every other day i feel like if if you're the nba you want a better product than that you want you want every team to be healthy going at each other having a good of you know we don't want to have to do wait five minutes before tip off oh tyler heroes out like we don't want stuff like that happening.
0: yeah no that that is a really good point because yeah the way the schedule was kind of built was kind of stupid again yeah having those three days off in the buck series and now going every other day from there on in has just been a little bit ridiculous um Ash, have you kind of noticed the pattern in that schedule as well?
2: No, I have. That's exactly what he was talking about. It's just they have scheduled them every other day, even after the game seven against the Bucks. They have to play two days later, which I don't even think it makes sense in case of just the entertainment factor. You don't want to see these guys all limping off, off the court. You want to see some fast movement, some fast-paced games. And, yeah, I agree. I think it's just ridiculous. And, you know, from the Warriors' part, I think, if they're able to close it out tonight, they could definitely use that rest to be able to game plan for the Celtics, most likely. And maybe Gary Payton second. I'm not sure what the injury return time is on that, but if he comes back, that'll be
0: a good defensive guy to throw up one of the Celtics guys as well. That's a good point about Gary Payton. That is a good one. But yeah, no, we'll see. And they, the good news is for the two teams that do advance to the finals, it won't be every other night. There'll at yeah. least be two, three days in between each game. So that's the kind of good part is it won't be as grueling as that. But I totally agree. It's just not it's not great knowing. And that's the Celtics Heat series. Every single game we're hearing exactly like you just mentioned, like five minutes, ten minutes before tip-off. Oh, Marcus Smart's out with an ankle injury. Oh, this guy's out with uh, health and safety protocol. This guy's out with... You and know, it's
1: like you didn't even know, like you didn't even see it happen. Like Jimmy me. sits out the second half and you're like, you don't wait, what, what play did he get hurt on? Exactly. Like, Tyler Heroes out. What, what play did he even get hurt on? It's just like nicks and bruises at this point.
0: Yeah, no, basically. It's, it's been all over the damn place, but I, I don't even know. The, going back to the Warriors Mavs series, though, real quick with Steph, um, I want to bring this up. Um, last week, I know B, you and I talked a little bit about it with Steph. If they if the Warriors were to go on beat the Mavericks and win the finals, it would be ring number four for him, mm-hmm. and what that would mean for four his out legacy. Yeah, like which is unbelievable. However, B, you made a great point about how Steph hasn't really had that 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 game or that signature moment in an NBA Finals, and does that kind of put anything to his legacy? So, Siavash, I wanted to get your take on that certain topic because i think it's a very interesting one among basketball fans and when we're debating this topic because i when i look at steph i'm like wow if he gets the number four that is that is pretty something especially not even that but just within the last like maybe 10 years or so to win that many in that time frame is pretty unbelievable but i really like b's point too about how when you really think about it it's like you're kind of right it was kd had had an unbelievable finals in the two years that he was there Clay was fantastic in the games here, but you haven't really seen that, that moment from Steph in the NBA Finals. Maybe it's this year. Who knows, but we'll find out. But Siavash, I'd love to get your take on Steph's legacy if the Warriors were to advance and potentially win the NBA Finals.
2: I mean, what they have done up to this point is just incredible, to say the least. When you think about it, they have gone to the Finals if they won it, of course, against the Mavs. They've gone to the finals six times in eight years. It's just insane. And again, to B's point, I think if you think back to Steph's signature series or signature games, I really think back to the 2019 playoffs, which you brought up against the Rockets when he scored uh, 30 points in the second half of the closing game. And then against the Blazers, I think he had a few good games there. Of course, the Raptors did a great job on him, but... For them to get to six games, I think a lot of it had to do with Steph as well. But his legacy is just incredible. It will be hilarious if he goes to the finals and doesn't win a finals MVP. But I'm not going to say anything about that until we get there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point, too. And I think that's kind of what B was alluding to last week of how he hasn't won that, that finals MVP, which is pretty crazy to think about when they've been there that many times. But that's what I look at in this situation because Steph, it's like when we think about Steph, we think of one of the best players in basketball, obviously the best shooter this game has ever seen. And to to look at it that way, it's like, damn, that's kind of funny. You look at it that way when he has that many rings. We know who he is as a player and a shooter, but he hasn't had that moment in the finals. And again, the opportunity is there if they're able to close out tonight or obviously beat the Mavs eventually this is, this would be the time for him to do so. And there is no Kevin Durant on this team this time around, so I'll give him that opportunity. But Golden yeah. State plays so well as a team. There's so many different guys. Again, Poole hasn't been there. Wiggins hasn't been there. Some of these other guys haven't been there. But those other four dudes, Draymond, Clay, Steph, Looney, they've all been there. So it'll be really interesting, and we'll see what happens tonight if they're able to close it out there. Um, That's part
1: of his legacy, man, his hit. It doesn't matter who's in that slot. You have Harrison Barnes in there, KD in there, or Andrew Wiggins in there. He's making the finals. Like, that's crazy. Like, I I still – he's still – like, I haven't gone through my list, but he's my second second greatest point guard of all time to me after Magic. And he's probably in my top 15 players of all time. I was just like, yo, I recognize it, top 15. But if I'm going through the top 15, I can name, you know, like – a couple things from each one of them. And the one, the one for Steph that sticks out to me is that game six in OKC when he had that, you know, that half-court shot basically for the win. That's his moment. But I'm like, yo, is there anything I would tell my kids? I'm like, yo, like, like specific moment. You know, I'm like, I'll tell you yo, he's the greatest shooter ever, ever, ever. But I'm like, yo, is there like a game in the finals when they were down 15 and he dropped yeah. 40 to come back in game seven? Or, so, you know, something like, yeah uh mythical you know like all these legends have these things are like wow did that really happen because we never you know what i'm saying
0: yep yeah. no i know exactly what you're saying because it's the same thing right when you talk about um brady right we have like a thousand stories of like sp- particular games or that drive or that that possession right see same thing we talk about jordan Kind of LeBron in ways LeBron, too, for yeah. Sure. LeBron definitely. So a lot of these guys, all of
1: them, man. Like even like if I I just called him the second best point guard, even I could go with Magic. You know he subs in rookie year for Kareem, and does that forty point triple double with the hook, and, and they win that game. Like there's like I could go like literally person by person, but like Steph has that game six against OKC. To me, that's his moment. But it's just it's got to be on the final stage, man.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, again, it it's, it's crazy too because Steph has so many of these games. But again, like you mentioned, they haven't been on the big stage. But it seems like in the regular season or even in the first few rounds of the NBA playoffs, you see Steph have these times where like, he'll just go through these games where like he just doesn't miss. He'll just go shot after shot after shot and he'll just go heat check, heat check, heat check and he'll just drop all of them. That's how Steph is. But it'll be interesting to see what happens, of course. Game four goes tonight in Dallas. We'll see if the Warriors are able to close that out then or if Luka and Co. can extend that to game five, which would then be Thursday night. Um, let's shift over to the NBA draft lottery, which was last week. The Orlando Magic got the first overall pick in the NBA draft. Of course, BU and I know a lot about who's going to be going into the NBA draft this year, of course, after covering March Madness. So, of course, once we get closer to that, we'll talk more about that. But see Vash, I'll start with you. Um, what are some of your takeaways from the draft lottery where certain teams landed and who do you think would be a potential good fit in that team?
2: I think the top threes are for sure the locks that they are and we're going to see, of course, who's going to go first and in that order, which one of them are going to get picked one by one. But the most interesting thing for me is the Sacramento Kings. For them to trade uh, Tyrese Halberton away and then go with the... Uh, their big man and of course then get the fourth pick it's an interesting position I really want to see them trade that pick and go for another guy but I'm not too sure who they can pick up from that position and that would help him get into the playoffs and you know get out of that drought
0: yeah the Kings have a I mean that's a that's a hefty drought that they're on and in Sacramento there's a lot to deal with there but I mean yeah I, I agree with you I think we know who's going one two and three But then is there anybody kind of after that that they could go out and take? I think Orlando get number one. I'm looking at that, and I'm like, this Orlando, they're not a great team, but they're an extremely young team. And when I look at the roster, I could probably name off like four or five guys I'm like, they were sick in college. If they can all play together, and now you add a Chet Holmgren or you add a Jabari Smith to that Magic team, the Magic can be decent if they just play together, they grow together, and they get better as a team, and they get a head coach that can help them grow. I think the Magic are in good shape there with that number one pick. The Thunder, of course, we know they've had a 1,000 picks over the past like few years, so they get the second pick, so they're, they're going to get one of those guys as well. And then Houston at three, they potentially, I know a lot of people have thrown around Paulo Banquero's name. I really like him and Jalen Green potentially being a duo there. Um, B, what are some of your thoughts and takeaways from the lottery
1: uh if i'm one of those top three dudes the last place i want to be out of those top three teams is houston i just feel like that is
0: that's
1: it's it's just too much like too much you're not you're it's they're so far away like i feel like it's just like you watch them last year and it's my turn your turn my turn your turn kevin porter jr and and Jalen green i don't know what's going on there but orlando would be a a, probably the best call out of those three teams just because like you said they got like keepers. You know, they got like Suggs that will be there for a, a couple more years at least until they give up. Franz will be there for a couple more years. So, um, Cole Anthony, like they got some dudes that are, are keepers. You got like maybe four or five dudes that you can build something around. Um, I was kind of bummed out with Detroit ending up at five because if Detroit, to me, got in that top three, I would really like to see one of those three play with Cade. And yeah, Isaiah Jackson there too. Like that could be something, or Isaiah Stewart could be there too, right? That could be something special. And then to me, the big one was, you know, the Lakers giving up the pick to the Pelicans. The Pelicans ended off the year crazy well, getting into the playoffs, giving Phoenix a run. They end up with the eighth pick. And I don't feel like they even need to use it. That could be some nice uh, trade ammo. They got, you know, Zion still. We don't know if he's going to come back or not. Like, I feel like, New Orleans is just on the come up, man. They got now the eighth pick. They they could they could move it, just get another piece over here.
0: That's a that's a great point, actually, with the Pelicans at eight, because yeah, they the Pelicans are in such a unique spot because at eight, you can still get a decent player and adds a, right now. I'm looking at the latest mock draft. They're mocked to get AJ Griffin from Duke. I like AJ Griffin. I think he'd be a nice addition there. But I also love your idea of the fact that they could use that that 8th pick traded away and get something else even better because New Orleans, as we just saw this year, this is a team that's ready to take a leap. This ain't like one of the other teams we've been talking about, like OKC, Orlando, and all those other teams that are still a few years away. New Orleans proved this year in the playoffs, even without Zion Williamson, that they are capable of doing some damage. So New Orleans is there. That'll be interesting whether they decide to use the 8th pick or move it. That's a good call there. And then going back to the Sacramento point uh, points, the guy that's mocked there is your boy B. Jaden Ivey, to Sacramento. But oh, again, man. but I I feel like there's just again there's there's a lot of decent talent outside of the top three. But the top three to me, I think, are the true like those are the game changing players there um, from one through three. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there um, in the draft. I, I'm with you, about, about Houston, I just, I agree. They're just not. I would hate to go there if I'm one of these players. Cause I agree. They're very far away from competing with anything. So it'll be interesting to see how this ends up um, shaping up to be, but the NFL, uh, the NBA draft will be in June. I believe it's mid June or late June, something like that. But the closer we get to that, we'll talk about that more. Um, so before we end this off, see Ash, we got to ask, what are your predictions for the conference finals? Obviously, well, the Warriors is at 3-0, so it's not much of a prediction there. But um, for the NBA Finals, if you've got one, who do you like winning the whole thing or to get there?
2: You know, I really wanted the heat going up against the Warriors in the Finals. And As I'm watching the games, as we're going, it just doesn't seem likely. I'm not the biggest Boston fan. I will say it'd be my fault, man. You know, I know that's <laughs> your team, but. You know, I just don't want Boston fans winning another championship in a different sport, man. They just are too annoying. So my pick, if the Boston makes it, I want the Warriors to win it. I want to see Steph getting another ring. And, you know, just to kind of solidify Is the he going this get the MVP team. Well, we will see about that. You know, it will be funny. But I just want to see them getting that ring so people stop talking about how KD Here's was Katie. the reason they won that, you know, I'm those finals, of course. LeBron, you know that's LeBron, but the Warriors were a great team before KD got there.
1: He really got he really got disrespected a lot over those last couple of years, and we saw like True. people people forgot like that. Like he's he's that dude. He's that dude, and then, and then he got injured for the last two years, and it was a bad team, and people forgot. Man,
0: they really did. That's what I keep saying about Golden State because in when they for, won their first title, I think it was twenty fifteen. They did it with no KD. The Warriors were one of the best teams in basketball. They come back the next year. They were the best team in basketball, winning whatever it was, like 60, whatever. I think it was even 70 wins, something like that. Get to the finals. Obviously, now they're known for blowing a 3 1 lead to Cleveland. But like they also understand Cleveland, Cleveland was a good bat. They were a great basketball team too. They had LeBron James, they had Kyrie Irving, they had Kevin Love. They were a good team too. But then obviously, when you go and get KD, they go, oh, well, they had KD, so they beat Cleveland. Golden State was an amazing team either way. I'm, I'm with you, Siavash. I, I would love to see the Warriors go and win it, um, get Steph number four. But I, I'm thinking, again, I'm sticking with my pick. It's going to be Warriors-Celtics in the NBA. Five. I think Boston takes care of Miami. I do have, I, I'm do I with Ash. you, know, I got love for Kyle Lowry. It's probably the only reason why I'm probably somewhat rooting for Miami or I'd like to see them win. Just to see him get back to a finals I think would be super cool. Um, but I just think Boston, Boston, the better team at the end of this man, and and even how they handled the Bucks here. Boston was down two one in Milwaukee too, and look how they handled that. They were down three two in that one, and look how they handled that. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Siavash, final thoughts before you let uh, before we let you go.
2: I just want to say what a season by Andrew Wiggins, being a first time on the All 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 uh, Star starter. And then I think he's going to get the conference MVP that they just came out with. I think it's the Magic Johnson Award. And if he goes into the finals and steals the finals MVP from Steph, I ridiculous. think he's going to have one of the greatest seasons by a Canadian basketball player we'll ever see.
0: Maybe he brings the Larry O'Brien trophy to Wonderland if they win. <laughs> At the end of the... Yeah, he brings it back home to Vaughn. But we'll see what happens there. Um, With Game Four tonight, but yeah, I agree, man. Andrew Wiggins, it is very, very cool to see. I think same way how we talk about Golden State, people forget about them. I feel like a lot of people did the same with Andrew Wiggins. They just, they just forgot this guy existed, and now here he is doing it on the biggest stage. He
1: gave us a reason to, to be
0: honest. Absolutely. Absolutely, and he found his fit. And that also goes to show how good Golden State's system is. Yeah, that's That's fact. the other thing, True. how good that is that you can plug and play Andrew Wiggins in there. When a guy – we were having discussions last year about moving Andrew Wiggins. Would you trade for Andrew Wiggins? And people were like, nah, I wouldn't do that. Golden State took it, and, and it's like nothing ever changed for Watch, them.
1: Hey, watching that d Wiggins trade happen kind of this playoffs, like the, how bad d was for Minnesota. I was yep. like, yo – if he was there, like, basically, Jordan Poole would have never evolved into the guy he was, and Jordan Poole is already 10 times better than D'Angelo Russell ever was. Agreed. And then you get the Wiggins, like, playing like this, like that, yo. Because they, they were thinking, you know, they did that sign and trade with D'Lo to fill the KD scoring role, right? And then, yo, that they ended up basically the KD stuff turned into a Wiggins and, like, the development of Poole. So, like, yo.
0: And it worked. And, and you know what? Good luck. Speaking of the Golden State system, good luck to Mike Brown. He better soak up these last few games of Golden State because when he goes to Sacramento, it's going to be the complete opposite. So good luck to him um, for that. But Siavash, thanks a lot, man, for joining us. This is a great episode. And we will see who ends up taking home the trophy and who advances to the NBA Finals. But we appreciate you joining. We'll definitely have you on again in the future. And don't Thank forget you, to brother. give Lob It Up podcast. Don't forget to give them a follow as well.
2: For having you guys.
0: Thanks, brother. Um, take it easy. And that'll do it from this week's episode of Baller Island. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. And by the time we get to next week. We will have the NBA Finals matchup and we will preview that and break that down next week. Will it be Boston or Miami coming out of the East? That is now a Best of 3 Game 5 goes Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And then do the Golden State Warriors advance to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2019 and what would be their sixth trip in eight years? Or does Luka extend this series to a Game 5 which would go Thursday night back at Chase Center in the Bay Area? But enjoy the games. Hopefully there are not any blowouts. Less over some competitive basketball before the NBA Finals. But that'll do it. We'll see y'all next week when we will break down the NBA Finals. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baller Island. Stay tuned. We got a lot more basketball content coming your way. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.